This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Social media has transformed so much about our lives. The way we communicate, keep in touch, work, buy and sell, and amuse ourselves. But social media has also changed and evolved. So it seemed like a good time to take another look at the ways designers can use social media, not only to market and promote their work, but also as a part of their creative endeavors and as a means of communicating and collaborating with clients. I have with me today two designers who have employed social media to great success, using it to help boost their careers and adopting virtually every form of digital discourse, from their highly successful blogs to Instagram, where they have huge followings, and Pinterest. First up is Carmian Hamilton, a Memphis-based designer whose firm is Newbie Interiors. Carmian is the winner of Design Star Next Gen, and she creates interiors that mix deep colors and graphic patterns to create contemporary, comfortable, and practical rooms in a style she has termed modern bohemian. Welcome, Carmian. Thank you for having me. We also have with us San Francisco designer Caitlin Fleming. Her lifestyle blog, Sacramento Street, has become hugely influential, and she is the author, with her mother, of Travel Home, Design with a Global Spirit. Her rooms embody her cool Scandinavian aesthetic with lots of whites and neutrals, warm woods, vintage pieces, ceramics, and organic touches. Hello, Caitlin. Hi. Excited to be here. So both of you have started your careers, I think, at a time when the internet and social media was already on the rise, and both of you have navigated that. So I'd love to have a sense, Caitlin, first about your blog and how that evolved and how that led to furthering your career. Yeah, so I started Sacramento Street in 2009. So it was kind of that, as they now peg us, the OG bloggers of sorts. And I started it and I worked full time when I started it. It was kind of a creative outlet and I just needed something to get that creativity out. Um, So you were doing it at night on weekends and stuff? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And was your job at the time design related? It was not. It was actually, I was a community manager for a publishing company and I started working with bloggers and I was like, this is interesting and cool. Like, why don't I start something like this? I could definitely do it. And, you know, my mom and my aunt and my family read it at first. And then suddenly I broke out and started communicating with different bloggers like Crystal Palachek and I became really good friends. Yeah, it was, it just kind of blossomed into this next journey for me. And then um, I did work for a designer here in San Francisco in residential design and I helped her build her social media and it kind of blossomed from there. And I started, let's see, 2011 is when I launched and went out on my own and started getting design projects and was full-time with Sacramento Street. Because I would say that 2009, when you were starting, was really the moment when bloggers became design influencers. Yes. I remember I was working in print media at the time, and all of a sudden it was like, Nobody cared about print media anymore. They all cared about bloggers. So you you rode the wave, would you say? Yeah. Yes, okay. I definitely think I 
<laughs> I rode the wave of of what now it has become. Yeah. Right. Okay. Carmen, what about you? How did you get started as, and promoting your work? What did you, I know you also had a blog. Was that important to you? And I mean, obviously you ended up on TV, which is, I think, probably the most influential thing, but <laughs> did, did your social media help you get onto television? It definitely did. I had a similar start when it came to blogging. I graduated from college and immediately went into working in commercial healthcare design. But in working for that company, that's when I stumbled across blogs like Young House Love and Jenny Comenda's Little Green Notebook. And so they were my OG people. And at the time, I just got into my first apartment and was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can blog about it too. I just moved away from family. So my mom was always concerned about what I was doing. And that was how (laughs) I kept her in the loop in everything related to my apartment. And I actually talked a lot about my relationship. So it was a little all over the place in the beginning. And a couple of years later, I started my blog in 2010 or nine, very similar to Mm -hmm. Caitlin, but it wasn't until Instagram or my introduction to Instagram in about 2012, when I really took blogging seriously. At that time I was married. We had just moved into a house and was really into making, making a go at the whole DIY realm of design. At the time, no one was really interested or talking about design as a career. It was mostly just DIY and how to. And so that's what I started to dig into, even though design was my career at the time. But it wasn't until probably in the last three or four years when social media like Instagram brought on Instagram stories, when people could really see the behind the scenes of design projects and how-to projects and, you know, video-related content outside of YouTube, when my social media following started to really ramp up and influence everything else that I was doing related to design. Like my projects were now content instead of content being projects. (laughs) Right. Got you. So process became crucial. Yes. Okay. Now you mentioned how Instagram coming in. Now I, it seemed to me as an outside person that, you know, bloggers were crucially important. Blogs were crucially important for a long time. And then Instagram kind of almost replaced blogging per se. How do you feel about that? Caitlin, do you think that's true? Or do you think the blog is still important? I still think it's all important. I mean, I feel like Sacramento Street has definitely taken a back seat to it all because I feel like I need to be present on social media so much more. Like when when yeah, Pinterest, so demanding. it's so demanding, it's like almost a full-time job and I do it all myself. I don't have somebody that does it for me because I think of it as very personal. And Pinterest is a huge Yes, I definitely want to get into Pinterest. Yeah. So yeah, all three of those for us as a company is really important. We use Pinterest for clients. I used it for my entire book to plan it all. But Instagram for me, I think is so important because people love to see a day in the life almost, you know, they love to see me installing things, even if it's just a light that day. They love to see what I'm cooking. I've had clients, potential clients reach out to me and they're like, I just love the way you live. I want to, like, I want to achieve that in my, you know. Because your your blog 
and I and your Insta feed, I think, is a lot as much about lifestyle as it is about design. And I think that that was kind of a surprising, at least to me, surprising way of getting people to think about design. To the, mm-hmm. this is a life I want to lead. This is a life you lead. This is a life I want to lead. I want you to help me to lead that life, which in a way was the traditional role of a designer back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Carmine, would you agree with that in terms of Instagram sort of replacing your or expanding out of your blog and giving you wider audience? Yes, absolutely. You learn in this business, you have to be where the people are and everybody's on social media. Um, A lot of people from the OG days loved the integral process of reading about how this happened and the story behind why you're putting floating shelves in your dining room or whatever it is. But nowadays, most people want 30 seconds of how you did it so they can move on to the next thing. And you want to capture like potential clients. That's where they are. But I utilize my blog as the place where people that want a little bit more meet. Um, Mm -hmm. And also you realize like you don't own Instagram or Pinterest and those things can go away at any moment. So you still have to continue to feed what you own, but it does indeed take a backseat because like Caitlin said, it is an all day, every day job. And like Caitlin, I do my social media myself too. So you're the person in front of the camera, behind the camera (laughs) and everything else related to it. So yeah, it's, it's important to be where the people are, but also investing that time in the platforms that you own. Right. And it's been interesting to me that traditionally shelter publications, print publications, you know, everything would be styled. Everything, every image was perfect, was beautifully lighted. It was like enticing, but unapproachable. Whereas Instagram, which I think started out a bit like that, people started wanting Mm -hmm. to show their finished products, has evolved into an intimate look, both personal, Mm -hmm. as you were saying, and the process of creating the rooms, not just the finished results. And I think that's been a big change for design. And I think in a way that has probably enticed more people into considering design as a possibility for their own lives. Would you agree with that, Caitlin? Yeah, I agree with that. There's something like raw about Instagram. They get to see this process that you're going through to achieve that aspirational goal of getting your house done by us. And then they see you put things together. Like I use a lot of vintage items. They see where I'm going to purchase those items on Instagram. So then they're like, oh, I'm going to go to an LC Green and take Mm -hmm. a trip out there and find my own objects and, you know, kind of have this moment where they saw it on our feed and now they're doing it themselves, which I think is really cool for them. Right. And in terms of process, like Carmion, you mentioned Insta Stories, which of course has mm-hmm. become a whole almost huge separate thing. Is that something now that you're looking at expanding it into, say, Instagram Reels or TikTok? Is that something the the process? Do you think that that's another it's viable outlet? Yes, absolutely. And you realize I've done a lot of research when it comes to social media, especially Instagram, since it's the biggest or one of the biggest, especially visual platforms that exist now. But Instagram stories is where you continue to engage the people that are already a part of your community. But if you're wanting to grow your platform, Instagram Reels and IGTV and 
posting to your feed is where it is. Those are the only things that reach the people that don't follow you, but you want to keep the people that are there completely engaged. That's how you increase your engagement rate and things like that, giving the people that are there what they want. But if you're wanting to grow your community, get more followers, reach new customers, Instagram Reels and IGTV is where it's at. So you have to expand into these multiple disciplinary (laughs) executions if you're wanting to grow. I mean, I totally believe you, but it really almost shocks me. This is like almost like a second career. It is. Running your social media. It is. But I also want to ask you how you use social media in terms of your creative process and your design process. Now, I assume both of you have gotten clients from Instagram. Is that true, Caitlin? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Carmen. Okay. So that, because most designers have told me they have gotten clients from Instagram. Most of the younger designers at least have told me that. So do you think that once you've gotten clients who know about your social media feeds or stories, Instagram Live, whatever it is, however you do, how do you then use that process with those clients and your other clients to communicate? I mean, Pinterest, I know, has just come out with a whole new I don't even know how to describe it. System, they call, you know, working with creatives because they want you to use Pinterest more. How do you, like, let's start with you. You have a client, let's say they have a, you know, a four-bedroom house that they want you to design, help them design. How do you use social media on your day-to-day in terms of planning that, communicating with them? Do you post things on Pinterest and say, look at these 10 shares or how does it Mm -hmm. work? So with our clients, I mean, half of them find us through Instagram and then some of them have followed forever. Like they, so that's a big percentage. I've followed you for five years and I kind of like that they've followed us for so long and then they continue to still like the aesthetic because that means that you're a pretty good matchup. You know, there's people that come to you that don't have your aesthetic and you're like, oh, it's going to be hard to do your home. Right but they think that they have your aesthetic. So there's that whole process. But we use Pinterest every single day with clients. We create different boards with each of them for each room, each space. They can add things, we can add things, and then we edit things out that we don't think is a good fit that they've maybe added. I mean, every single detail we put into those boards, we really think it's important So you use it for basically design presentations, but evolving. It's not like you do it, create the presentation and then show it to the client, which I think used to be the old fashioned way. Like here's three fabrics that we suggest for your sofa. Here's like, and you would have a board and you would meet with the client and show them. This is interactive in the first phase because we want to get to know what they like. Mm -hmm. Because I think it is a process of people figuring out what they do like and dislike because they might say they're, they love neutrals. And then, you know, the husband doesn't love neutrals. (laughs) There's that whole balance. So we do like a few, I would say a month or two of you're allowed to add things. And then we like take them off the boards and then we do a whole presentation. I see. So it's really gathering. In a way, it's like the old days when they used to tell clients, I just, I would say, oh, rip out the pages from a magazine. So now you're ripping it out of the internet. Yes. Yeah. We're just ripping it away and we're creating a whole mood for them. And then once we kind of like fine tune it, we say, okay, now we're going to go off and we will design your space. And then we present to them. It's a process with them at first, mostly to just get to know them. 
and then we take that and run. Right. And Carmion, would would you say it's much the same with you as well? I do have my clients submit their Pinterest boards. I don't necessarily use it for creating their spaces. I think a lot of people utilize Pinterest in a very non-intentional way. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I like this picture, but they don't even really know what they like about it. So I get an idea of the things that they care about or like from their Pinterest account. But a lot of my fact finding with them is more of a, almost like a psychological thing. Like, what do you like to do? Where do you like to go? Like those types of things. Mm -hmm. They tell me a lot more about what they would be willing to live in than looking at the pretty pictures that they thought were pretty. So I do start with Pinterest, but the process after that is very cerebral, per se. Right. So you use it more for a psychological background, like like, oh, this is a color they love. They may not even, they wouldn't say that was their favorite color, but it shows up a lot. Indeed. Yes. So it gives you a read on the client and then, okay. And, but when you present to the client, how do you do that? Do you do Pinterest? Do you have Zoom meetings with them? I mean, since during the pandemic, it's been a little weirder. Yes. Zoom meetings have definitely become a norm. Yeah. I have a whole wardrobe of waist up outfits <laughs> now. That's, that's the norm now. <laughs> but yes, creating design boards, visual, digital design boards, whether I'm using a Pinterest board, or most of the time I just use PowerPoint, Mm -hmm. like pinning images to one space so they can see how these images look all together. And that helps to convey the theme per se, or the look that we're going for, but totally through Zoom and sharing my screen or, you know, of course the old fashioned way, sending emails Mm -hmm. and things like that. That's definitely normal for me now. It's definitely the biggest thing more than in person now. And Caitlin, you had mentioned buying things via Instagram. And, and I'm sure I know you buy stuff from Cherish. So we'll put in our plug right now. Get that out of the way. You both do. But do you then find that clients will want to buy their own things on Instagram? It's that whole thing, you know, like Cherish and the other auction sites, all of that have made things accessible to people seemingly. It's not as easy mm-hmm. as it, but you know, I've heard designers say, oh, my client will find something on a, a website and it's not as good as what I'm suggesting, or it's doesn't have the patina or it's a knockoff, but it's cheaper. Is that a problem with you for Instagram? Because I know a lot of people don't know whether to trust what's sold on Instagram. I don't think it's a problem for me and my clients. I think because we do that research and I do agree with Carmian, like, you're basically a therapist at first trying to figure them out. Um, I'm like, what hotels do you stay at? (laughs) And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what brands do you wear? All of those questions are so important. And they, they think you're kind of weird at first, Mm -hmm. but I love getting to know them. And I don't think purchasing, it hasn't been a huge issue for us. It used to a few years ago. I feel like when all of that first broke Mm -hmm. out and like, it was so easy to buy, but I think clients, now are so trusting. I would say when we put together like our mood boards and our vision boards for the client and we say, this chandelier from Cherish is our inspiration of what we will find. It might take us a few months to find it, but we will find you one. And then some of my clients are very good hunters. So 
I am open to them hunting a little bit. And sometimes they will find that magical thing at 2 a.m. and email me. And I'm completely fine with that. You know, it's a little bit of a collaboration in that sense. And they got to say, I found this piece. I mean, my chandelier in my bedroom, we moved in January. I just got it from Cherish a month ago. Of course, my daughter's really mad that it's not for her room. <laughs> just so you okay, guys know. Okay, so you're influencing her too. <laughs> oh, my daughter. She still has wires, you know, coming down. And she, it got installed and she came home from school and she's like, hello, where's my chandelier? And I was like, it's, it'll come in the next few months. Right, right. So I even have a client at home. So yeah, we do have clients that like the thrill of the hunt a little bit, but I'm open to it. They just text me and that sort of thing. And we see if it fits in and they don't get offended if it doesn't. Right. So you have a little bit of veto power. A lot. Yeah. Okay, good. Karin, what about you? Have you had an issue with people wanting to find things on their own? Or how, I mean, because it's it's a little abstract when things are sort of done on the internet. You know, it's like, yes. how do you deal with that? Yes. And now that things are so accessible on the internet, like everyone, you get into the, everybody thinks they're a designer now, but there's so many people. And I talk about this with my clients. Like once you sign on with me, you are not allowed to just go buy things for the spaces that you've hired me for. So you set it out right at the beginning. Yes. You are not allowed to just go buy things. Like, no, like you can send them to me. Like Caitlin said, You can send them to me. We'll go over it, but you cannot just go buy things. One, most people that approach me are usually like, you do it. We no longer want to have the responsibility of looking for these things, which I love. But also when you give people this autonomy to find what they think they like all across the internet. Like most people are not checking dimensions. They are not checking fabrics. They're not checking construction. Like, and I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, you found a great sectional for a thousand dollars, but no, it's poly and it's going to fall apart in six months. Like don't do this. So having to educate throughout the entire process, a lot of the reasons why I tell clients, no, don't do this. I'm literally here to help you save money down Mm -hmm. the line. So yeah, it's a great tool for the people that know how to use it, but trying to reel in those people that are novices, that's 90% of our job now, I feel like. I think, you know, design, so much of it is educational and it always has been and always will be. And there are some people who intuitively understand and accept the importance of design and get it. And there's other that they don't. They won't know the difference between A and B until you point it out to them. Mm-hmm. Once you point it out to them, I think then they get it. They understand the value. Yes. They understand why one is more expensive than the other. But it's an ongoing battle, I think. And I don't think any designer can escape it. So that's kind of interesting. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying our podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. If you're a designer who's struggling with long lead times from suppliers and increasingly impatient clients, now is the time to shop with us. Our vintage antique and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. So I'd love to get a sense from both of you now, what do you feel is less important in terms of social media and how you do your jobs. 
Both of you have websites. Is the website still important? Definitely. 100%. Okay. Yes. What is the role of the website in this new era? I would love to get your take on this. So for me, the website is where actual business takes place. Most of the world, we live in a world where we think everyone is on social media, but it's still not the case. Lots of business people, especially commercial projects, vendors, a lot of people don't utilize social media the way most of us do. So if they Google you, going to your Instagram account is not going to be the best mode for business. So having a website where they understand who you are, what you're about, can see what you've done, can see how to work with you and how to contact you, that is always going to be the most important platform for you to have is a space that you own, like your business card online. So interesting because I've heard people say, oh, no, websites aren't important anymore. So, Caitlin, would you agree with that? I 100% agree that a website, I just redid mine last year and everybody was like, why are you spending the money? And I was like, you know, our, our book came out, Travel Home came out and I felt like it was a little outdated and it needed to be redone. And it's the first place that people can come and see and get to know you. And then they might go to Instagram and all those places to find out more but that's the first place they land. And you really want to wow them with your projects, what you do, all the language is so important. So yeah, it's the first place that they will go and that a lot of clients, especially referrals. Right. Um, mm-hmm. When a client is referring us, they're not going to Instagram to say like, oh, let's see what she's about. They're going to our website. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really important. I'm so glad to hear you guys say that because I know when I I research a lot of designers, you know, in general, but also for the podcast, and I always go to the website first. And I have to say, I think a lot of people's websites are not as up to the minute as they could be. I know some people don't even put their location anywhere on their websites, which drives me crazy. I don't know. Are you in San Francisco? Are you in San Jose? Are you in Atlanta? I don't know if I don't know you. So I think that's a really good point. And some of the design is clunky and hasn't been updated and to find the projects. So I'm so glad to hear you say that. And I hope that our listeners will understand how important that is. So, okay, now, I'm, now yeah. Instagram, clearly you both feel is important. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do you use it? Do you post on Instagram on your feed to attract new customers to keep your current clients engaged? Do you go on Instagram for inspiration to find projects? We all know it's important, but how does it really affect the way you do your work? Caitlin, let's start with you. I'm like, there's so many different ways I utilize it. that's good. I want to know what they are. Um, I feel like I use Instagram in so many different ways. You know, I'm constantly looking at inspiration for potential projects. Mm -hmm. And I have so many saved images on there that then I put on Pinterest. It's like the twofold. Mm -hmm. Because I've been on Pinterest since it started. I was one of the first hundred people to test Pinterest. Wow. Cool. So I've used it for so long, it almost seems second nature to me. And now Instagram, of course, is too. And I'm probably on Instagram more. So would you say that Instagram is like sort of the wide river and then Pinterest, what makes it to Pinterest is like more considered. So it's like an editing process? Yeah. I would say that's a that's a great way to okay. put it. I would say I save things on Instagram thinking of clients and it's it could be the smallest detail of an image. You know, I'm really mm-hmm. into like British design, but I think everybody is right now. 
And so I save little things and I make little notes of what I saved on that image. And then for the public, I think it's just important to constantly be showing them, you know, what it is that's inspiring in my own home, in client projects, in daily life, anything that I think will inspire them, I think is the way that I go about it. And I think I think of it more as a lifestyle than as like a design business aspect of things, because I know people sometimes separate them out and they have their personal and their interiors. And I made a decision a few years ago not to go in that direction. I just thought it would be too much work because I have, you know, I have a family. I just couldn't right. keep up with it right. all. Uh, you have to make choices. Right, exactly. was, and you don't want to devote your whole one. life to Instagram. <laughs> I was like, you know, some of my clients love seeing my kids. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep it this way. It's working for me. Why change it? So I kept it. And I think it's helped me a lot with balancing it all. And people do love seeing my personality, all of that. So yeah, that's kind of the way that I've taken the platform. Because as we were were both saying, it is a little bit about therapy. And also you want to know and trust your therapist if you're in therapy. So that makes sense. And Carmen, how about you? How do you actually use Instagram day-to-day or Pinterest? So I, I also, I utilize it for lots of inspiration. My Instagram journey has definitely morphed over the years. I started using it just like everybody started using Facebook at the time. It wasn't necessarily a business type of platform, but then you morph into showcasing your portfolio and then People want to get to know you. So you talk more about your life. And so my platform has also morphed into more of a lifestyle situation. When I was heavily looking to bring on new clients, I took the approach to utilize Instagram as a way for people to get to know me. Like you can not only see what I'm capable of with utilizing my home as my calling card, but showcasing who I am and the things that I love and just, you know, the way that I talk and how I dress. So people had a real understanding of who was showing up at their homes when they approached me for a consultation. Like, you're not going to be surprised that I show up in my ripped jeans and a graphic tee and leather jacket, because that's what you see all the time. Like I don't put on, I'm not a different person outside of Instagram. So really showcasing who I am and what I'm capable of, but also utilizing it for inspiration and things like that. But now I am more of a personality thanks to being a part of a TV show. So now everyone really wants to know what's happening behind the scenes and who my family You're a celebrity is, now. Like that. So it's it's a little bit different now, but also knowing I can't take on as many clients as I used to, utilizing it as a way to educate people that can't hire me. So giving snippets to those people that and giving them the confidence to go do things on their own. It's always a way of providing value to the people that decided to click follow for me. And I want to ask both of you, how do you use social media, if you do, to find resources, whether it's vendors, artisans, new fabric sources, accessories. How important is social media and that search? Because I know as designers, 
You're always looking for the next thing, something fresh. Right. So how does that work? Yes. I love, well, thank God for DMs. A lot of artists and vendors are seeking out designers and sending us messages going, hi, I'm an artist and I create in this type of discipline and would love to be a part of your catalog the next time you're sourcing. And so- So they reach out on you to you on Instagram or- Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, good. And which is great because you immediately get to see what they do. Mm-hmm. If they're reaching out from their accounts, you can go to their page and see their art. You can see their fabrics. And like Instagram has made it to where you can connect with those smaller businesses that don't get to show at market mm-hmm. or have these major mass distributors where you could stumble across them in a catalog. Right. So that's the best part right. about social media is reaching the smaller niche very specialty providers. Right. And you could mm-hmm. get them early on when they're not so busy. Maybe you can do some exactly. custom for you or something special <laughs> that you need. Yeah. To piggyback off that, I think it's nice for these smaller vendors to, it's not as intimidating to reach out to us on social media because they've obviously been following us. They see our personality and then they might see something that's similar in our design projects that they, they're like, oh, that would look really good. And I get artists and different fabric vendors reaching out to me. And it's this whole avenue that we've now found some amazing lines and done custom work with woodworkers that have reached out to me or I've reached out to Mm -hmm. them because I see them working with another designer. Mm -hmm. And it's just great. And it's almost like this organic way of working with them. Whereas it'd be harder to be searching on the street for these woodworkers. (laughs) Yeah, when you run into one at the grocery store. Oh, no, uh, that's great. Now, I want to ask you about it. We've talked a lot about Pinterest and Instagram, obviously. They're very important and your website. But what about things like, and maybe they don't not, don't pertain at all, but like LinkedIn or Facebook we mentioned, but does that work? Is that these things that work for you as designers or not? I don't think anybody's following me through LinkedIn. <laughs> well, that, you I don't know. even have a LinkedIn account. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> don't have I, don't, a I actually account. don't know my password. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to me, Caitlin. Same. Yes. Uh, I have so no funny. idea how okay, to use so it. Okay, so LinkedIn's not so crucial. Okay, what about no. Facebook? Is that more personal things or are you on Facebook? I have a business page on Facebook and it's it's more Facebook for me is more like the billboard. So I don't interact with Facebook right, the way I do with Instagram. It's I post the pretty pictures over there. You can see my business information, my website and all that good stuff. So it's a catch all for the people that still use Facebook mm-hmm. if they're looking mm-hmm. for me, but not as every day not a business tool. as Instagram right. is. No. Okay. No. Would you say the same, Caitlin? Yeah, I don't use it. Uh, okay, there you go. Okay, so I should. I probably should, but well, you know, no time. It's, it's, it's you have to pick your battles. I totally yeah. understand. I understand. And do you see going ahead that you would get more? I, I mean, I see all these funny videos and all that. You know, for TikTok or Reels or any of that. Is that something you're looking at going into, or you just think it's superfluous? I don't do TikTok. My 25-year-old cousin is would love me to do it. <laughs> but I have dabbled in Reels a little bit. And I have seen that when you utilize a new tool on Instagram that they've come out with... They reward you for it. They reward you for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so 
I've tried to dabble in it. I'm not great at it yet. You know, video has always kind of intimidated me a little bit. You know, I'm the opposite. I don't like to be on camera. <laughs> but, you know, I got a little bit better when we were doing like the book videos because I was trying to be all cool. So yeah, I've tried reels. They've worked pretty, they've worked pretty well in clients, potential clients and followers love seeing a video of a space. Mm -hmm. So it is something that we're, I'm trying to work better on. And Carmian, would you say the same in terms of you doing TikTok or reels or anything like that? Yes, I I have a TikTok account. Um, oh. I have not utilized it for design yet. There are so many like TikTok is famous for its how to's and construction videos and things like that. So it's definitely a great platform to be on. It's trying to figure out how to stay on brand while fitting into TikTok because mm -hmm. that's that's where I kind of struggle. Yeah, a lot of those um, videos aren't so dignified. <laughs> they aren't. They aren't. They are not. And it's hard to, if, if it's not a transformation video, like a before mm -hmm. and after, then, you know, just a styling something or whatever, it's, it's almost not worth the time. Like if it's not what everyone else is doing, it's hard to devote right. time to it, which is why I don't have right. any videos on mine. Right. But I love to watch them. Right. So. right. <laughs> yeah, I would take it then that YouTube is like a bridge too far at this point, your own YouTube oh channel gosh. or something. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. I'm, and I think about, oh, I can't even make the time to create and edit a 15 second reel. Like, right. oh, yeah, really? gotta, let's get right. into a 15 minute how to situation for YouTube. And that's a whole different orientation. <laughs> so do I have to use two cameras? And like, it's so YouTube, it, it is indeed, but it is one of the most lucrative platforms. Mm -hmm. um, YouTube income is right. at the top of influencer dumb when it comes to reaching mass audiences and generating business income. So it is definitely one of those things that lurks in the back of my head. You know, it, you should probably head to YouTube, but at this point it's like, Instagram is already consuming eight hours of my day. Mm -hmm. like and how, plus you're trying to it. design. Exactly. Yeah, we also have and, and have a job. Yeah, you, you have a, yeah, you have a, full <laughs> a job, job and a family and kids. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Life. It, it, it does happen. Yeah. Um, so I'd just like to get a sense from you guys now. I mean, this has been so enlightening for me, but I would love to have a sense how you would advise somebody, either a young designer or somebody like the two of you who was in another field, sort of design adjacent or whatever, what would you advise them to make that transition? Where should they put their energy? I obviously create a website, but Instagram, how would you advise them to make the similar kind of transition to what you guys did? Yes, definitely create a website, have mm -hmm. a business platform that you own, like buyer domain and mm -hmm. hosting situation. Right. But absolutely, Instagram is the number two place that people go. It's always like the second link when you look for someone, it's their website first and then their Instagram profile. That's usually second. I was very adamant in the beginning. A lot of, I think a lot of, especially design accounts, make the mistake of utilizing their feed as a Pinterest board. 
and you should utilize your account for your work. Even if you only have one project to show over and over and over again, just get really creative at finding those little corners that really create an aesthetic that is yours and not posting other people's work to your Yeah, because that has been a controversy about people, you know, saying, I love this room by so-and-so. And and then some people saying, I love this room, implying that they did it themselves. Uh, I mean, yes. And that is the biggest pet peeve of mine. I only post my work to my feed and I don't like it. And, you know, it's there's a fine line when it comes to publications and media accounts and things like that, posting your work. But even there, people are in the comments going, where's that table from and where's the wallpaper from asking those questions that should be coming to me to a person that has no idea of any of the details about this space. So I always advise that you only post your work to your feed and utilize Pinterest for what it's supposed to be. That's where you capture your inspiration, but staying true to yourself and building and providing value to the people that you're wanting to do business with, show your competence in your feed and through your stories. And that's the way you build a business, showing how competent you are in what you do. And Caitlin, what would you advise? It's so funny that you brought that that little piece up about just posting your work because I'm the same exact way and I actually went onto your Instagram to just look at it beforehand and I noticed that everything was yours as well. And I think it takes great pride in, in doing that. And it's a yes. so much work yes. to produce all those photos, but they really get to see your work. And I think... Some people just, you go to their feed and I'm like, oh, cool project. And then I click yeah. on it and I'm like, oh, that's it's not, not, even it's yours. not yours. <laughs> right, right. And it's, you know, all, almost all of them are like that. And it's so mm-hmm. hard to see that because it could almost, to a potential client of that designer, you could, they could think that that actually is theirs if they don't scroll down to the bottom. Yeah. Of what and a lot wrote. of people don't read nowadays. Yeah, they don't read anything. <laughs> So I think that's one of the most important things for a new designer to come out is even if you're posting the same kitchen a few different times, post it, you know, keep going, do little vignettes of it, whatever you want, but make Mm -hmm. it yours. And I think, you know, some designers say, oh, I don't have that much work. But I think also people are fascinated by the process. And that can be very revealing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, here's five fabrics I want to use in a room. Or here's a sketch. Yes. You know, people love those kind of things, totally. I think, can be very engaging. Yes. And revealing of your sensibility. Because mm-hmm. I guess one of the things you want to do is get your aesthetic and sensibility across whatever medium you're using that. Yes. Yeah, to do that. Right. Right. So any last words of advice to a young enterprising next be Caitlin Fleming or Carmian Hamilton? Just be yourself. Yes. That's the most important thing is just you can be influenced by others, but always stick to what you believe in because that is what is driving you to your end goal. That's what's making you happy with all these projects that you're producing. So I would say just follow what you love to create is my piece of advice. Absolutely. Enjoying the journey of figuring out who you are and what your aesthetic is and what your sensibilities are, completely avoiding the ease of copying what's popular. 
trends change almost quarterly sometimes and you will wear yourself out trying to follow those mm-hmm. trends and you will also lose potential clients if you can't narrow down what it is that you do. You can't be everything, everyone, and you're only interesting. I mean, in my opinion, you're only interesting if you can niche down to something that is specific to you. If you're going to be everything to everyone, I can go get everything else from everyone else. But if you are you and owning what you do, then I can only come to you for that thing. Mm -hmm. So being specific and niching down to what's important to you is the way to go. I think that's incredibly valuable advice from both of you. I'm so appreciative. I've learned so much from this podcast session, and I know our listeners will as well. So I want to thank my guests, Carmian Hamilton and Caitlin Fleming, and I want to thank all of you for listening to The Cherish Podcast. You've been listening to The Cherish Podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.